This is a young team. We're on the cusp. Why right, we got to add some pieces to what we're doing here? Pierce running right, spin move, barrels his way down to the 41 yard line. What a run by Pierce! The type of players that we're looking for are players who are looking to swarm. It's intercepted, Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Picked off by Stingley. Petrie, Texans have the ball on the pick. The takeaway train is rolling. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now, it's Texans All Access. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm back. Yes, that's right. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. I've been at Pro Days, went to Baylor on Monday, went to Texas A&M on Tuesday. Not a whole lot going on at A&M, like four or five guys there, but still going to be at Pro Day. Mark's been out in Arizona doing work at the NFL annual meetings. Now, we all know it as the owners' meetings. And I'm stressing the word owner tonight because that's right. Callahan and McNair joined Mark before they all took off uh, for Houston. Earlier today, plenty to talk about. I thought one of the coolest things that we've done is we've got this fan council uh, that has been created, and there's so much to talk to with Cal, with Cal and Hannah. And Mark had a chance to sit down with the McNairs to talk about all of it right here to kick off the show. Mark, take it away. Tell me about the meeting, the NFL annual meeting. Cal and Hannah, I, I want to know what this is like for you because there's so much work being done, yet you have a lot of people bringing their families, and it's sort of a celebration of the league in addition to all the work being done. Yeah, I think uh, the family had a lot of fun. We did. Around the pool. Yeah. <laughs> they have a great pool here. We waved at you through the windows while you sat <laughs> in the meeting. I sat in the meetings from. Wait, did y'all have windows here? 8 30 to 5 30. <laughs> and then uh, events in the evening from 7 until 10. So, um, yeah, I didn't get out to use the slides or the diving boards or anything with the kids, sadly. They really wanted me to go off the high um, slide which is new this year. You may have to do it before we leave. Oh, we did leave your swimsuit out of your suitcase. It's too late. No, we have to go catch the plane. No. Yeah. That slide looked a little dangerous, but I'm not going to say anything else about that. Well, tell me something about the meetings. What is it like being in there, Cal, when you are voting on items, issues, proposals? What is that whole process like? What can you share with the listeners about that? Uh, gosh, well, uh, part of it is they're giving us an update on the – on the year as far as things on the field and things off the field to bring us up to date on uh, more national national things. And it was really um, exciting to hear how well the league has done this year mm-hmm. with the points have been the, the smallest point spread. And there's been, I forget all the stats, but the, so many games have been close games. And so the game, the report on the game was very, very strong. We have a very, very strong game. And it's being uh, watched by just records numbers of people both on tv and there's a whole new area for us with the digital streaming. direct streaming yeah. direct to consumers using mm-hmm. your phones is just so an exciting part of the business as we look forward and going forward as well as international op- opens whole new um avenues for us as a um as a business mm-hmm. um as far as a business part of it but um, the game is really in great shape, and that's, our, that's my focus is really to have a great game for the fans to watch. I think that's a, the bedrock of what, what we're doing, have a great game. And, 
and then every year we look at uh, rules and proposals to try to make the game better. And so those are always uh, fun to hear uh, different viewpoints. And, and uh, there's a really lot of uh, debate, a really good debate, and it's fun to hear the different coaches really. We have a, a really bright group of coaches that bring a lot of great ideas, and, and they're all focused on making the game better and making it better for the players and the fans. And so it's, um, it's a lot of fun to be in. Well, of all the rules that did not get approved or got tabled, the one the Texans proposed, Cal, got approved, and this is reviewing fourth down conversions. Whether you made it or not, it's automatic. That's pretty cool stuff. Was that unanimous? Uh, pretty close to unanimous. It, uh, we, it was kind of funny because we had come up several rules that were getting a lot of debate and, and not a lot of votes. So then we came up to ours that Nick put out there. And it was, I think, a really good rule. We very rarely put up a rule, but this one uh, really was voted in with a high degree of um, affirmative votes. And it was 8-1 to in the committee, so it was a strong recommendation. And and it makes sense because typically you go to commercial break Mm -hmm. after failed fourth down, and so you have time to do it. It doesn't add to the the overall time of the game or anything. And, and, you know, we're always trying to do things to – make the game fair and get all the calls right. And so this just falls in line with those things. Well, one of the coaches in the room is, of course, your very own D'Amico Ryans. And we haven't caught up since that day that you hired D'Amico Ryans to be the head coach of the Texans. What's it been like with D'Amico in the building, Cal, and just having him working with Nick and getting things done prior to the 2023 season? Yeah, they've been working uh, hard and working together. And that alignment is really what we're after. And I think that's what we're seeing. And um, they've been, um, you know, putting together um, a, a group of players to go forward with through the free agency at this point, and now they start focusing more on the draft. But I think in the free agency they um, uh, filled a few roster spots, so we mm-hmm. have less roster spots you have to take care of, which is what you want to do. You want to go into the draft with as few holes as possible and just pick the best players. And so I think they put us in a position to go and have a great draft. So. Top left tackle, to too. Top left tackle signed. And and he wanted to be here. And last year, he was named a captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to him about it. He was really excited to be named a captain. It meant a lot to him. And I think he deserved it. And i um, really glad he wants to be the leader that, that, he, that he is. And we're looking for him to be as we go forward. Well, free agency, it feels like it never ends because you acquire players throughout the league year. But tell me about the draft coming up, the draft party. Let's start here, Miller Outdoor Theater. And I know you are in the draft room, both of you, but what about the party? Are you going to make an appearance at Miller Outdoor Theater first before the draft begins? We'll be there before. um, You know, we like to have that connection. And so we'll be there a little bit before, say hi to everyone, and then we'll make our way to the stadium. We have a pretty quick pick there, so. Yeah, but we're coming. We're coming. We're, we're looking coming forward to say to hi. Be, looking forward to uh, the second year yep. at, out at Miller Outdoor Theater. And last so year neat. was really yeah. fun. And this year they're taking it to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. And so we're excited to see how all well that works. And, and I know the fans will be there and excited. We have two picks in the first round. I don't know if you knew that, Mark. But I'm, I'm it'll aware. Be, it'll be exciting. <laughs> Vaguely aware of that. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll go before the party starts and then head back to the 
to the war room and being mm -hmm. there with Nick and Coach and really excited about it. Well, speaking of interacting with the fans, I want to advance quickly here to training camp. Is there going to be more grilling? Because that was a big hit last year, you grilling the burgers and hot dogs, whatever you were grilling that day. Yeah, he's grilling on, a, or rather, smoking some brisket and ribs on Friday. So last year at the season mm. premiere, uh, we auctioned off a dinner at our house where Cal is going to be smoking Not some just Cal. Uh, meat. Cal. Travis Johnson, Andre. Andre Johnson. I think uh, we've got a few other VIP guests and surprise guests, surprise coming, guests that by. are coming. I think Kush is coming. Kevin's coming. That is quite Damien, the prize. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's so really fun. quite fun. So Cal's going to be doing that Friday night. We want to thank Callie Vanderheider for um, her support, her yeah. support of the foundation through that. So. What can you tell me about the momentum with season ticket sales? I know last year you had the pricing structure change, and that was successful. And now another big step forward with season tickets, Lux, which is sweets for the listeners who don't know that. What can you tell me about that? Yeah, the stats are coming in really strong. I forget what they are exactly walking out of the NFL meetings here. but um, 90% renewal. 90% renewal rates mm -hmm. and um, season ticket sales. 3,000, do I have that right? Yeah. The arrow's pointed up. Mm -hmm. for all those business things there's a lot of excitement in the market and i want to thank know. the fans for sticking with us because yeah. you know i know that every team goes through ups and downs and we really you know through the hard times it's hard to stick around but we just appreciate their support we really do and we're looking we're forward to seeing them at training camp and um we were out there a lot last year which mm -hmm. is exciting for us because of you know some of the rules we couldn't have fans out there for a couple of years and but they were out there, and we were out there, and glad to see them last year. And looking forward to doing that this year. And yes, we will grill for them. We don't know what we're grilling yet. Of training camp is when we've done it before, but um, look forward to doing all that. All right, I know everywhere both of you go, you're hit up with this question. I am too, and so I need a good response. Help me out with this. Who are you taking with the second pick? What do you say? What is your stock response for that when you get asked that? Because I know you do everywhere you go. A player. <laughs> we'll pick a player, and we'll pick whoever we think will make the Texans the best team. So um, we sit next to the Panthers' ownership, mm -hmm. David Tepper. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, we were trying to break him and try to figure out what his, <laughs> who he was picking at one. And uh, Hannah really worked him hard. Oh, nice. But, but he wouldn't break. <laughs> he was like a Swiss vault. I said, you were like a Swiss bank banker with a, with a big vault that can't be broken. But uh, – he but said, we have your a lot wife of was going it. after you. <laughs> yeah. What is it but he like? Didn't break. What is it like interacting with other owners? And they had the broadcasters here this week. Uh, full disclosure: I saw the two of you talking with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He used to play for the Texans, oh, and now he's a broadcaster him. with Amazon. Those kind of interactions. I think the fans like to hear about some of that stuff. Well, Fitzy, uh, <laughs> we enjoyed having him when he played with us, mm -hmm. of course, and uh, and his family. And then, um, oh, he is. He is so much fun. He is so, really fun, bright, fun. Another funny story is so I think when he was on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so my one of my sisters is a flight attendant on charters, mm -hmm. and um, she was the flight attendant on there, and she didn't really tell him who she was. Right. And so one time I told him, I said, You know, my sister's one of those flight attendants. And so then uh, they ended up having a good time. So every time I see him, he asks me about my sister. And he's just so much fun. She says he was one of the most fun people she ever interacted with. But we're also uh, reminding him of the first time his first game mm -hmm. oh. was against us. He came in late after some injuries yes. and rallied his team. And 
and uh, I'll be darned, he remembered like every play and what the scores the score? and everything. When <laughs> Over he came time. in, what was the score? 24 uh, like 24 to 3 20. or something late in the game, and he rallied him, and he said uh, he came into the huddle, and I forget who was in there, but some real Hall of Fame type mm-hmm. receivers and all, and he, and he was like, uh, yeah. what play am I going to call <laughs> and throw to y'all? So he was really funny, but um, but he's been a good good quarterback for a really, really right. long time. He and validated really that guy. by playing for a lot of years. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, on, right. on how, were there any teams he did not play? Yeah, I think that's the question. <laughs> yeah. That's the question. Yeah. But he just gets along with everyone. I think that speaks to who he is, is he gets along with everyone. There's no problems. Anybody is his teammate, so I think yeah. he's a good teammate. Good, smart, good yeah. teammate, good quarterback. Well, it's been great to have you both visiting, and congratulations on the early offseason acquisitions and D'Amico Rhines. We look forward to the draft coming up. Mark, so that much. was so easy. Very well, easy it wasn't like you're sitting with Mike Wallace over here, ah. okay? <laughs> Mark and I have a lot longer conversations in his office from time to time. Those are good. We should record those and put those no, on no, a podcast. No. Maybe not. Cal's wondering right now. <laughs> They're a little more in-depth. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Well, you can't have the owners' meetings out in Arizona without having the owners themselves, Cal and Hannah McNair, stopping by to talk with Mark Vandermeer about any number of topics, the draft. I love the fact that Cal was trying to break David Tepper, uh, but he couldn't get him to break. But at least I appreciate the effort, there's no doubt. All right, we get back. Let's go through some of the rules. You heard Mark mention to both Cal and Hannah about the, the rule that Nick offered up and it was approved, and I think this is a great rule. Fourth and short conversions being automatically reviewed. They're, all, they're almost always reviewed anyway, so just make it automatic. And so that's essentially what happened. But there are other rules that got put into place, and we'll go over those. And we'll also hear from my good buddy who catches up with Mark each and every year at the owners' meeting, Sal Capaccio, silent reporter of the Buffalo Bills. That's next right here on Texas All Access. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Yes, sir. It's Texas All Access coming at you. John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Keeping you company until 7 o'clock as we inch ever so closely. We're inside a month from draft night Thursday. Obviously, Texas pick number two. And right now, they pick 12, 33, 65, 73. Uh, et cetera, I think 104. And then after that, the numbers get a little murky. I think it's 161, and then there's a bunch of six-round picks and a seventh or so. So, um, But we know the first ones, and we'll take them one by one. Now, the owners' meetings took place, and these rules have been added to the mix. The Eagles asked to permit the use of zero as a jersey numeral. It is now used. The Chargers asked to make the adjustment of the play clock following an instant replay reversal consistent with the time rules. That was accepted. We mentioned the one that Nick and the Houston Texans put down, and that was to expand the replay official's jurisdiction to allow for review on failed fourth down attempts. So it goes to review on fourth down. Away you go. Um, Competition committee then had a few. Change the definition of a launch to leaving one or both feet. Making the penalty for tripping a personal foul. Make the penalty for illegally. Handling the ball forward consistent with other legal acts, such as illegal forward passes, to make the penalty for illegal punch, drop kicks, or place kicks consistent with illegal acts, such as illegal forward passes, to prevent the offense from benefiting by an extension of the half as a result of their foul. 
They also put in some language as it pertained to spearing, et cetera, et cetera. The bylaws by the competition committee to change the claiming period to Monday for players who waived on Friday and Saturday of last week of last week of the regular season to insert strength of victory as the second tiebreaker for awarding contracts and to adjust the rules for postseason signings to account for standard elevations rules, et cetera, et cetera. Um, here was the last one. I think this is pretty important. And I thought this was interesting because I can't count all these teams that sent this one in. But they asked for one preseason roster reduction date and related procedures, i.e. going from 90 to 53 all at once. Now, that's a lot of guys that end up hitting the waiver wire um, or get released all at once. But almost every team in a league seemingly asked for this rule, and that was also accepted so those rules were all approved now a couple that were not the rams proposal on roughing the passer was not approved now that one caught a lot of people um i don't say a lot of people surprised but they tabled that one that is not going to happen which i thought was a little bit shocking because that one has gained a lot of national recognition by fans and media across the country about roughing the passer. Replay, not approved on that one. Also, fourth and 20, first down um, completion for onside kicks that they use in the XFL. That is going to be tabled. The Jalen Hurts uh, push play, the rugby scrum, that has also been tabled. The Lions withdrew their proposal to make all personal fouls subject to coaches' challenges. They reviewed that. So there's no new replay reviews here for judgment calls, which is something the competition committee has always opposed. That was uh, Tom Pelissero, uh noted that. But we're zero, and I guess that's good. Um, but the one I really – I was really curious about was the fourth and 20 alternative to the outside kick. That was the one I was hoping they would at least look at. They didn't kill it, but they just tabled it. Want to talk about it uh, for further discussion. And I think that's, um, that's pretty cool. So rules changes going into effect. I actually think the one that the Texans brought up is probably going to be one uh, that has more likely the most staying power um, until these college defensive linemen come to the league and they want to wear a zero <laughs> or the Texas draft Darnell Washington, the big six, six, 270 pound tight end from Georgia. And he wants to wear a zero like he did at Georgia. I do not like the number zero. I just have never, I never liked it. I've never, I've never liked it for whatever reason. So I don't know, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's an additional number. So I don't know. The young kids want to wear it. So that's cool. I'd like to think I have a young kid spirit with me that I like a lot of the new things that come in. But I just don't like zero, so whatever. But I do like Sal Capaccio. He's a silent reporter of the Buffalo Bills. He is now going to the owners' meetings and not the combine anymore. So I didn't get a chance to catch up with him. But because he's at the owners' meetings, Mark had a chance to catch up with him. They talked about everything going on in the league, right? Here's Mark and Sal. Sal Capaccio joining us here at the NFL annual meeting. Do you say owners' meeting or annual meeting? Do you say it properly, Sal? I say owners' meetings. I write annual league meetings for the official journalism part of it, right? Because that's the official title. And then sometimes I'll say the league meetings, also known as the owner's meetings. (laughs) 
So uh, I'm here to make John Harris jealous because here we are talking, and I yep. know you're friends with, with him and your co-sideline reporters or, yeah. or colleagues, if you will. You do the Buffalo Bills, and he does the Houston Texans, of course. But uh, talk to me a little bit about this offseason for the Bills because it's been a somewhat under-the-radar offseason because you have so much other stuff going on in the division and around football with Rodgers and Lamar Jackson and everything that a lot of people nationally don't seem to be talking about the Bills as much as, say, last year. Do you feel like, all right, here you are right at the precipice again. What's it going to take to get over the top? How are people feeling in Western New York? People are a bit nervous. Um, I think that they feel two things. Number one is that the window is starting to close, they feel, which I don't agree. I think some people feel that way. I think as long as you have Josh Allen, yeah. your window is always open. And they right. have a – I mean, come on. They they don't big bill, They don't build big casinos in Vegas because they lose, and the Bills are still like number three in the odds, right, to win the Super right. Bowl. They have a terrific roster. It's a well-run organization. We all know that. But they're getting a little older. Yeah. And – they do have some th- places around their roster. They just lost Tremaine Edmonds, right? I mean, there are different things that are happening. The other thing that's happening, though, is the rest of the division is closing the gap. And I think that's what's making people also say, well, here come the Dolphins. Look, they're getting Jalen Ramsey. Uh, look at the year that they had with Tua last year and those wide receivers. They're closing the gap. They made the playoffs. They, they had the lead on the Bills in the fourth quarter in the playoffs. Right. And then here come the Jets with Aaron Rodgers and all those other additions they have. I right. think people feel two things are kind of merging here where they're a little anxious. I can see that. Uh, you mentioned the window. You have a good administration there, yes. and that's what it takes, right? Because Johnny and I always talk about this, the how the whatever team was built page in every release. Yes. And you see that the bulk of the team, 80-plus percent of the team, is from the last three years. It's a constant churn. So that speaks to what you were talking about. As long as you have the quarterback and a few other pieces, you can continue to do that. Yeah, and I think you know what's, what's interesting is now – because Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have been here since 17 in Buffalo, you get a little bit of it, a little attrition in the last couple of years, but now it's starting to really happen because a lot of those players are now after their fourth contract, after their four years for their rookie contract. Devin Singletary is one of them, right? Going right. to Houston, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, fifth year. He is now in Chicago. You can't pay everybody. So they're now starting to see the attrition of that that first group they brought in, in 17 and 18, and now you got Ed Oliver. Yeah. He's going in his rookie, uh, his final contract, uh, final year. Gabe Davis. Now the challenge is, and on top of that, you're paying Josh Allen. Yeah. You're, you're paying him. You're paying Von Miller. You, you, the high-end guys, You now those other guys who get second contracts, it might not be with the Bills. Sal Capaccio joining us, Buffalo Bills sideline reporter, and with WGR. WGR in Western go. New York. You know, I should have it rolling off the tongue, Sal, but I don't. Uh, tell me about Singletary. What are the Texans getting in Devin Singletary? I love Devin. Great kid. Developed a really good relationship with him when he was in Buffalo. I'll tell you, let's go back to when he was drafted. Um, Brandon Bean said, when they drafted him, he said, no other running back had a more fun film to watch mm-hmm. at FAU. Go watch his highlights at FAU. He was a touchdown machine. He was a t- ball-touching machine. He had over 300 carries a couple different years at FAU. There's a guy that comes in with a lot of, into the NFL, already right. with a lot of carries. Now he's played four years now. What the Bills did, though, he was, I would say, Mark, the lead back, quote-unquote. But the lead back for the Bills doesn't carry the ball 20 times a game. Okay. right? They, they, so it wasn't like he had all this placed on him. They put him in a position, I think, a good position to succeed. He's, um, he's a very wiggly runner, doesn't have breakaway speed. He's going to be shifty in the hole. He's going to find his way to extra yards that way. Once he gets to the second level, he's not breaking away from anyone. But he's so elusive that he can get an angle on somebody to allow those extra yards. In fact... 
Over the last few years, he's had, I think, if I recall, three really long runs for touchdown, and every one of them he was caught at the goal line by somebody who was chasing him from behind because he doesn't have the speed, but he finds his ways to get the angles, and that's what you're going to like. Not really, not really great coming out of the backfield as a pass catcher, but he can do it. He's had some drops, some mm. issues like that, but at times he's been very, very reliable. He might have seven, eight catches one game, and the next game you go, man, I can't believe he dropped that really big pass that he should have had. So maybe the hands are something you're not going to use a lot of them with, but he can do it. Is that why they made the deal for Naheem Hines, the Bills? Because we're there at Indy, the final game of the regular season, and one thing Andre Ware and I were thinking is, hey, the Bills could use a guy like Zach Moss. I mean, yes. he's a big, bruising runner, and don't they need that? But you made the deal. Why? The Bills needed more of diversity in their offense, and I okay. think that goes back to what I just said with a guy like Devin. Let, let's, let's go back to last offseason. The Bills actually had an agreement with J.D. McKissick, and then he backed out of the agreement. And because of that, they went and they drafted, they drafted uh, James Cook. Coming in, he was a very good receiver at Georgia, coming out of the backfield. They were searching for that receiver out of the backfield, receiver out of the backfield. And that tells you that wasn't Devin, right? That wasn't the guy they had. It wasn't Zach Moss necessarily. And then they got him, and he never really played that much. And people were wondering, why can't he play more on offense? It just never fit. You know, it's tough to get people up to speed quickly after the trade deadline, fit him in the offense. And then the Bills had a game move because of the weather. They had a Thursday night game, another Thursday night game. They had DeMar Hamlin. So I don't think... It really could fully take place with Naeem Hines. But to answer your question, that's why they got him. But they also got him to return punts and kicks, and he's very good at that, obviously, as well. Sal, we were thinking about you. I know Johnny and you communicated during the whole DeMar Hamlin situation and that night and the ensuing days and everything that he went through, but also the organization was going through as a whole. What can you share with us about that from this standpoint now here in late March? Yeah, I was on the field that night. It was a a night, obviously, that was incredibly tragic, but now has – what we think is a really incredible ending in a positive way mm-hmm. because the latest is Mark that DeMar Hamlin wants to play football again. And he's going through the process of getting cleared to play football again. Wow. And he's seeing doctors and he's taking care of that in his own. And the bills are very much in communication with that. And the, the messages from general manager, Brandon Bean and head coach Sean McDermott are, Hey, if he gets proper clearance from the right people, we support him and we're on board and he's going to play football again. And DeMar is going to. But think about the changes that have been made and the things and the lives that have been impacted by his situation. The millions of dollars that were raised through his Chasing M's Foundation, Chasing Millions. He started at Pitt, by the way. In college, he started yeah. this foundation to help underprivileged kids, right? There was the GoFundMe page. They didn't know what to do with it. There was so much money coming in, so they branched it out into different kinds of charities and organizations. And now you had here, the American Heart Association just did something yesterday in conjunction with MLB and NBA, NFL, and DeMar's and um, Corey Stringer's charity mm-hmm. that now they're going to start basically pushing for laws to have more available, sorry, more available AEDs and more um, people getting CPR training right. and knowing how to do that. And it's important for everybody to do that. And I'll just say, I think a lot of people know the story. Denny Kellington, the trainer for the Bills, who basically is credited with saving DeMar's life on the field, right? I mean, that's how important it is. Those seconds, those seconds literally changed his life for him to be able to perform CPR in that moment. Great to see the way the league is responding to all this, too. So, yes. yeah, that, that's that's a wonderful thing. Sal Capaccio joining us, Buffalo Bills sideline reporter, WGR host in Buffalo. All right, in the division, yep. the Texans don't play the Bills this year, but we play at New York against the Jets at New Jersey. So tell me about your view of what the Jets are going through right now. I, I'm kind of want to leave Rodgers out of it. I know it's hard to do that. 
But they were making some strides last year, and then everything fell apart with the quarterback injury situation and the performance of Wilson. What are your thoughts on where they're headed aside from Rodgers maybe, which well, is a, a big thing to say right now. They're going all in, I mean, obviously, because not only Rodgers, but look at the other additions they're making with Alan Lazard and maybe still in on OBJ, right? Right. And some of the other moves that they're making. But at the same time, they have all these young guys, this talent. Brees Hall, so phenomenal. It's such a mm. shame what happened to him if he comes back. And Garrett Wilson, obviously, at wide receiver. And Sauce Gardner. They have all these phenomenally young young players. I think, though, that there's still a little bit to be done on the offensive line. That's okay. an area where I think even getting Rodgers, like how much can you trust the offensive line to keep him healthy and keep him upright all year? But Robert Sala, I think, is learning a lot. I think from his first year to his second year, I think Robert Sala really grew as a head coach. He's always had a really good defense. But I think now last year you saw that that defense really understood how to play the game against these elite quarterbacks and do what they're supposed to do. So, look, I, I, I get asked the question a lot, but how much has the gap closed? Have the Jets passed the Bills with Rodgers? Have the Dolphins passed the Bills? I'm not ready to go there. I don't think so. I think the Bills are still there. They have closed the gap. But I do think if you take players, take the quarterback out, take the other 52 players, the bottom end of those rosters, even the Jets, still has to be desired, right? I mean, you have to have yeah. top-end talent, yeah. but the depth is where those teams still have to elevate themselves, I think, to compete with the Bills for the AFC East. Right. Patriots, 25-25 and 25 since Brady left. Amazing. Weird to say. Obviously, playoff appearance, but your thoughts on where they're headed now? So, it's so funny that I remember maybe 10 straight years, it would seem like, Bob Shaughnessy would write an article in the Boston Globe, I Dan, think is where Dan he went. Shaughnessy. Dan, Dan, Dan yeah. Shaughnessy. Thank you, yeah. thank you. And it was something to the effect of, well, here we go to another season. The Patriots had a bunch of tomato cans in their division. Mm. Like, that would be the theme. Yep. Every year he would write about it. And now I'm thinking about that in reverse, which is, here are the Patriots. They are the fourth team in the AFC East yep. now. They are the team looking up at everybody else wondering, how can we catch up? And I just, I'm puzzled, Mark, by some of the decisions that Bill Belichick makes. I, how he's building his roster. I know this is... So he's so revered. He's the most accomplished coach in the league, one of the most accomplished human beings in this league. I understand that. For what I'm about to say, I understand how it sounds to people. But I actually think that Bill Belichick still kind of operates in coaches like it's the early 2000s sometimes. Mm. And that's not the league anymore. Right. Right? I mean, mobile quarterbacks hurt him a lot. Yeah. Every time he plays a mobile, Josh Allen has killed him when he's played him. Justin Fields hurt him a lot last year. Lamar yeah. Jackson. Yeah. He has not adjusted to the way the game has played and I know that's weird to say, and someone's going to go, come on, who's this guy talking about? Bill Belichick hasn't adjusted. But look at the, look at the data. Look at the data. Brady's not there to cover everything up. Yeah. Right? And, and I, I think that they're going to be in for a bit of a rebuild, um, although they don't know it and they don't want to admit it. I think that's the problem yeah. going on right now. Yeah. Well, I'm here for it, by the way, because we've <laughs> suffered so much against yes, them. Yes, 100%. All right. A quick note on the Dolphins here. Well, I do like Mike McDaniel as a coach. I think he's very well respected, no doubt about it. That is a team that is truly going all in on the veterans they're bringing in. They have a couple of young guys, but really, I mean, Mark, they're, they have two years to do what they want to do, and then they're going to have to really assess. And honestly, I mean, I, Tua, he's so tiny. He's so good. But how long can he last in this league? And I'm not even talking about the concussions. Right. He's not super mobile. He gets thrown around a little bit. It's all it's all going to be about – I mean, they went outside Mike White to, what, $8 million or whatever it was? I mean – because they know, and that's Mike White, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they know that they're going to need someone because you can't rely on Tua to stay healthy. And if you can't, I don't know how much they can really go further. 
When the Bills drafted Josh Allen, what were your thoughts and expectations at that point? Have they been exceeded? Because oh you look at that draft and the other quarterbacks available, we could talk about that all day long, but here are the Texans in a situation where, okay, they need they need a quarterback. They've got Case Keenum, Davis Mills on the roster currently. Uh, but what do you think of the situation they're in and the way it played out for the Bills, picking a guy like Josh Allen, lower completion percentage in college, but a lot of potential. So the Bills basically, Texans, Bills traded backup quarterbacks this year, right? Or Case Keenum yeah. and Kyle yeah. Allen, right? Yeah. They're, they're kind right. of swapping spots. Um, so I think this is the perfect blend of quarterback and human being being in the right situation, in the right environment, with the right people, and in the right city. You don't always get that. If there's one thing I learned, you've been around this game a long time, but I think it really crystallized to me from 2018 till now, Mark, which is organization matters so much. Going back to our first mm -hmm. thing we talked about. I've always said this. If Josh Allen was drafted by the Jets, I don't. he might be bust out by now. I wow. mean, I, wow. he'd be good. He wouldn't be Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't say bust out. He just wouldn't be who he is. Right. If Sam Darnold was drafted by the Bills, he wouldn't be Josh. He'd be a good quarterback. He'd be a, mm -hmm. a good quarterback that would still probably be the quarterback of the Bills and winning games because I think the organization and the development matters so much, and that's where you've got to have the right people. When Josh was drafted, like to me, I always I felt, hey, big risk, big reward, but we went 20 years through the wasteland of quarterbacks and went through so many of them, you might as well take a shot at somebody. Right. Um, I don't even remember if he was my preferred guy. I thought that – I thought Josh Rosen was more of the safe pick, and look how that turned out, right? Mm -hmm. It is funny to think about if Lamar goes to another team, Lamar, Baker, Sam Darnold, Josh, and Josh Rosen, Josh Allen will be the only one still on his original team. From that you just never class. know what's going to happen, and that's why I look at this year's draft and I say, I don't know what's going to happen with these guys. No. I mean, I have thoughts, but what, do the, what does that mean, really? No, it's, I, I agree with you. And again, I'm going to say, like, I look on the outside, you guys, what you're building in, in Houston, some cohesion now, front office. I know they've gone through some coaching changes the last couple of years, but you have the right environment and people and the consistency. You can bring a quarterback in. You can develop. Have a plan for him and develop right. him. I think Carolina is going to be on the right track with Frank Reich. I think Frank brings consistency to that organization. He's got a rock star of a coaching staff. I think they're, whoever they take, who knows how, how good they'll be, but at least I think they'll have a chance. They'll have a chance mm -hmm. because they'll be developed the right way. But look at all these organizations that have taken quarterbacks after quarterbacks over the years, and they just never had. And even Buffalo, we saw it. When you have constant GM turnover, constant head coach turnover, right. you can never give him that stabilized environment that he can thrive in. What have we had in Buffalo, though? This is six years now. We have the same GM, the same head coach. That's an eternity in the NFL. And you gave a lot of guys a shot, like Trent Edwards, yes. and J.P. Lossman, and E.J. Manuel, yes. all these players, right? And our and we, guy Fitz, who we saw last night, right? Ryan Fitzpatrick was yeah. walking around the, the reception. And, you know, we love Fitz in Buffalo. But literally, he was the franchise quarterback that we had. Do you, do you had. love Fitz in Buffalo? Love, still? love, love. <laughs> Everybody loves it. I think everywhere he played, yes. I got I to gotta be right about this. They love him. But they everywhere do. But, but I will tell you, he says, even, and most amazingly, he was a member of the Miami Dolphins and still said on a podcast that Buffalo was his favorite city. Yeah. While he was playing for the Dolphins, still he said that basically. But he just feels right for Buffalo. He is. You know? he is. Just yeah. like Josh Allen. I think Josh Allen feels right for Buffalo. You know, yeah. he's, Josh Allen's from California. He's not L.A., though, right? He's yeah. from a farming town. He, right. had to go the, he had to go to the Juco route. He didn't have all the D1 offers. He didn't right. go to the Elite 11 camps. Wyoming. I mean, right. there's, there's California and there's California. Right? <laughs> That's right, yes. It's a big place. There's a lot of different dynamics to yeah. it. That's fun. All right, Sal, thanks a lot for joining us. You got it, man. Anytime. Appreciate you.
It's my dude, Sal Capaccio, Buffalo Bills sideline reporter, going to be a great friend of mine and, of course, of Mark Vandermeer as well, as they got together at the annual meetings, a.k.a. the owners' meetings. All right, we got one final segment of the show coming up. We're going to talk to Brian Rolap, NFL Media Executive Vice President. That's next right here on Texans All Access. Texans Radio continues in a moment. We return to Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. Coming at you, Mark at the annual meeting. Had a chance to catch up with Cal and Hannah McNair. Hopefully, you didn't miss that early on. But if you did, go to HoustonTexas.com. Go get the app. Texas All Access will be posted there. Also, had Sal Capaccio, my buddy from Buffalo, talking about all things going on with the NFL. Talking about Devin Singletary, Josh Allen, etc. And now Brian Rollap joins us, NFL Media Executive Vice President. And man, there's so much going on. In the media, in particular, the Amazon situation came up this week, and that's one uh, got it's interesting. You can now have a couple teams with potentially Thursday games um, with more than one, and you might have teams without a Thursday night game. So it's going to be interesting. That was kind of brought up this week, and the NFL talked about that. But Mark caught up with Brian to talk about all things going on media-wise in the NFL. Okay, Brian, let's start with the Thursday night situation. I found it interesting in your press conference. Everybody's wondering, how many times could a team possibly appear on Thursday night? And I guess two is the max on a short week. But if you were playing on opening weekend and Thanksgiving and the week after Thanksgiving, conceivably you could be on Thursday night four times. I doubt it would happen, but it's a possibility, right? That's a possibility, but not likely at all, to your point, because kickoff is not a short week. Thanksgiving is a short week, right? But if you play the week right after, that's not a short week, right? Because, um, so, but no, I think the the probability of that is pretty is pretty low, but it is it is possible, I suppose. So, what will be discussed in May, if anything, about the possibility of flex scheduling for Thursday nights, and what are some of the challenges you have going into that? Yeah, I think um, there was a really good discussion today on flex scheduling. Flex scheduling's actually been uh, pretty beneficial to the league. We we've done it on Sunday night for years. Um, we're doing it on Monday night for the first time next year as part of our new media agreements. We've done elements of it, um, what we call cross-flex in Sunday afternoon, where sometimes games that were on CBS go over to Fox or we go from 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. We've been doing that on Sunday for a long time. Thursday's the one package that hasn't. So it's it, it's been successful, but each night and each day is different. Some of the considerations we talked about are clearly um, – at the top of the list, make sure health and safety is there for the players. And mm-hmm. we see all the data that says the injury rates are not any higher for short weeks. In fact, they're, they're in some instances lower. Um, ticket holders, we understand the disruption for a fan who had originally purchased a ticket for Sunday going to Thursday is pretty disruptive. Certainly much different than buying a ticket for Sunday at, uh, you know, 1 o'clock Eastern and going to 8 o'clock mm-hmm. Eastern. That's, that's It's a difference. So that that is always a big concern and a discussion how you do that how often you do that um and then the competitive issues to make sure there's not competitive inequities um, for competition that's a big discussion among clubs um so it was a it was a healthy healthy discussion and i think um we'll continue to have it on flex there was there was wide support for as you mentioned uh allowing teams to play more than one short week but the flex i think we're going to take some more time and talk about and discuss and see where we are in may all right, YouTube, Sunday Ticket. Brian, tell the viewers, the listeners, how it's going to be different. The experience of having YouTube 
carry this great package. Yeah, we're we're really really excited about it. Um, I think uh, what's different in YouTube is the obvious one, which is you don't need a satellite dish uh, to watch it. Um, all you need a broadband connection or a mobile connection. Where increasingly everybody is is going in that direction already has that. But once you put Sunday Ticket on a medium like that, there's all sorts of things you can do differently. You can um, you know add interactivity. You can uh, you see what YouTube has actually done in the tournament this past few weeks is they've done essentially a quad box where you can actually put up four games at once pretty seamlessly at high quality and watch it, which is one thing we hear from our fans all the time that they want to do. Um, and those are just the basic easy things. I think there's all other sorts of things that YouTube is planning to make the product more interactive and, and more innovative. But just begin with to not, if you choose not to want as part of your, uh, put a satellite on your roof, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to. You can also, they're going to distribute it two ways too. That you can get it on YouTube TV, which the best way to think about YouTube TV is essentially cable television, but on the internet. And mm-hmm. it's the fastest growing pay TV company in, in, in this country. Um, but if you don't want it, you can buy just on YouTube. It might right. cost you a little bit more, but so you don't have to ha- uh, subscribe to YouTube TV. So there's a lot of flexibility for a fan that I think uh, that fan's really going to like. Ryan, tell me about the Skydance partnership with NFL Films and what that can do for some of the shows we enjoy already, like Hard Knocks, in-season Hard Knocks, but I know you're going to expand the portfolio. Yeah, we are We're really excited about that. We started about 18 months ago um, with this idea that uh, our fans tell us all the time that they love football stories, whether those stories come from NFL Films, the documentaries we do, or things like Hard Knocks. Or, or the things Hollywood does, scripted. And it's mm-hmm. not just football stories. They love sports stories. If you look around, because as streaming platforms have got bigger, whether it's Hulu or Peacock or Netflix, there's more and more of this content you've ever, than ever before. But there's not enough sports. Sports under indexes. And we heard mm-hmm. this from all these providers. So we decided there's really a way. How do we actually create more of this content for fans to enjoy? So partnering with Hollywood Studio to create something new is what we decided to do. So we... Decided to partner Skydance. Skydance is the film studio that had brought you, you know, Top Gun Maverick, the biggest movie of the of the year last year. But I've also have done a lot of other things on television. And combining the best in unscripted, which is NFL Films, and combining the best in scripted, which is Skydance Studios, we have created what I think is the premier sports studio in the world. So you will see sports and football-related movies, TV shows, um, documentaries that you're you're you, you, you're used to getting from NFL films, but you get a lot more of them, and we're really excited about it. And one, and one of the first things you you know really premiered last night is the first thing to come under the Skydance Sports label is the movie Air, which is a, with Ben Affleck and mm-hmm. Matt Damon, which is about um, the Nike story. That's something Skydance had worked on before, but that's all part of the push into sports that we are now going to be part of. That was great stuff from Brian Rolap, and there's more there if you want to go to HoustonTexas.com and check out. Vandermeer's view, I'm sure Mark will put all of that up on podcast either tonight or tomorrow when he has a chance to get back. We'll be back live tomorrow, Thursday night, as Final Four teams are coming in. FAU, Miami, Connecticut, and San Diego State will be coming in. Uh, but we'll be live talking with the general, John McClain, who was at the annual owners' meetings or the annual meetings, the owners' meetings, however you want to call them. But we'll get a chance to catch up with John and get his thoughts on talking with Kyle Shanahan, talking to D'Amico Ryans, et cetera, in Arizona. It'd be good to have Mark and I back together. Well, thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to Brian Rolap, my buddy Sal Capaccio. And, of course, 
What would we do without Cal and Hannah McNair? It's great to have them on the air. And by the way, go check out that fan council if you want to be part of that. That's going to be really, really cool. Go to HoustonTexas.com for more information for that and be a part of this organization in a fan's way that's going to have a monumental impact on the team. So that's going to be really, really cool. So I appreciate all you guys. Appreciate Mark for all the work he's done at the annual meetings. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.